Welcome back to What Is It About the Weather? Where weather is always our theme, but the weather, well, we're not going to focus on it too much. This week we're going to be talking about snow. No, not your snow forecast or anything like that, right? That's not what we do. But why people love so snow so much. And you know for me, that, that's not a hard topic. So we'll dive into that shortly. But before we do that, let me just say again, as always, I hope you've had an enjoyable and interesting and intertwined weather week. I have to say, you know, last time I spent a lot of time accusing myself when I was doing that podcast about IBM buying the weather company that I should have said, I also know people, while I never worked for the weather company, I know people that worked for them before and after. <laughs> I know people that work for the weather channel itself, which is no longer part of the weather company and have known those folks a long time as well in all in all cases this was not something i put in front of them and i haven't heard from any of these folks in terms of saying "Ooh, i said something bad or too controversial so uh hopefully i was somewhat on point with what i was talking about now you, you probably will have noticed a slightly different introduction this week and, and even the background you, you'll still hear it a little bit maybe a little bit of a fire crackling and a, maybe a clock in the background and some occasional winds well you know I heard it said of me recently that it's like sitting down to have a fireside chat about weather topics. And, and this week I'm going to take that a little more literally. No, I'm not sitting in front of a fireplace. I wish I was. I wish it was cold enough and that I had already wrapped up my week and was done with everything. But I thought I'd change the mood a little bit, especially since we were talking about snow. And this time of year, we see a lot in the podcast realm and not just in the podcast realm in so many places it's like best of and worst of of the year type episodes and list and all that sort of thing and while i you know I, i'm not really a fan of doing that kind of stuff personally i mean i enjoy some of it and listen to some of it of course i thought i would at least kind of change it up and focus on a topic that i at least enjoy and is I don't know, kind of key to who I am and what I really like when it comes to weather. So enjoy the background and the change of scenery for probably this week and next. The other thing, you know, I was thinking about this, the show I am recording right around Christmas time, the week of Christmas, and I was watching one of my fellow podcasters who was already recording this week for all his January episodes and it, what was really funny to me is sometimes I can I can tell when he's recorded closer to release date versus in advance but I was particularly struck about how he was trying to describe the weather of all things in very general terms so I hope the weather cooperates and behaves somewhat near normal for him uh, as yeah, it could be a little telltale sign that he didn't just record the episode, although he throws his episodes out on YouTube while he's recording them, so he doesn't really hide the fact that he was doing some advanced recording, and given that he's really busy this time of year, I can certainly understand that, and I know why a lot of people go on hiatus in the podcast realm, so I am going to try to keep giving you episodes, but for instance, this week, we're going to, yeah, we're not going to get so much into a deep studied topic. I, I you know, did my normal research on this, but it's it's more getting back to a psychology thing. And as we all know, sometimes in those types of situations, um, the science can be a little more nuanced because it's not always clear and there's a lot of uh, conjecture as to why a thing is. But without further ado, let's dive into why do we like snow so much? 
Now, I should preface this and say I realize there are people out there for whom snow is not got the same sort of magical influence that it does on me. And, and there's certainly people that have had winter weather tragedies. And for those people, it, it may have a, a very serious negative connotation. But for most people, for most people, and that's who I'm going to focus on today, have this kind of, I don't know, childlike fascination with snow. And for some people, that's what it is. I mean, for me, it's, it, you know, you if you listen to my first episode, it was a winter storm. It didn't happen to be snow per se, but, you know, sn- snow is the normal winter precipitation for a lot of people. And I wanted to dive in a little bit about why that was. But let's, you know, before we get into kind of the psychology aspect, which we're certainly going to do, let, let's talk about snow from a very basic level, right? So the scientific aspect of snow, if you will. Now, if you've ever investigated or really looked into snow before, you you probably already know it's kind of one of nature's beautiful creations. There's a lot of things we look at in nature and are, are just stunned by the sheer beauty of it. But when it comes to weather, it may not be the most... I don't know, impressive on a large scale. You know, it's not a hurricane or some massive event or a tornado or lightning even or may not have the sound of thunder. But all that said, the creation of snowflakes is stunningly beautiful. And probably the key thing to keep in mind with snowflakes when you think about it, and I'm going to put, you know, as always, some links to show notes. And there's one page that I do recommend that you take the time to go look at and the name of the site, let me make sure I'm getting it right here because I don't want to say anything that, that's wrong. I think it's just Snow Crystals. Yeah, snowcrystals.com. And if you go there, like I said, I'll put the link in the show notes. But if you go there, you can get a really great overview about how snow forms. And I can also put a link to showing a snow crystal growing. And it really gets into the idea. And there, there's science on that website about why it's built around hexagons, why they have this kind of, generally speaking, not in every case, but in most cases, it has this kind of six-sided shape. And you start to understand that it has to do with how water molecules line up when they freeze and that sort of thing. But that really shapes this kind of beautiful thing that goes on in the formation of snowflakes. And I still remember, so my first meteorology class was not here in the U.S., and it wasn't once I was officially in grad school, but when I was taking my refresher math and science classes, somebody who was serving as a proctor for the exams was working in a department at a university in Chile, and he recommended that I sit in on this class that was there. And so I did, and it was kind of you know, an introductory to meteorology or weather sort of class. So kind of an entry-level undergraduate type of class. And my Spanish at the time, <laughs> my Spanish at the time, I act like it's changed. My Spanish at the time is kind of like it is now, which is I can read a lot of it. I can write some of it. I can understand a fair amount when I hear it, but certainly don't get it all in you know, on my speaking level. It's just pathetic, actually. But in any case, here I was in this class. And as you know, and as you've even heard me talk at times, the, the terminology can get very specific and the good news was is those words kind of easily translate into English, so I was able to follow it. But when this teacher would get going on the topic in general, 
it could be a little hard for me to follow, but one of the areas that I was able to really grasp on and that he was fascinated on was the formation of snowflakes. And he did a whole lecture about this very topic. But just from a scientific standpoint and the formation of snowflakes. So the key, I think, to keep in mind when you think about snow and, you know, why is it, for instance, that we get big fluffy snow in some areas and little, I don't know, granular, almost no snow in other areas. It's more like just blowing sand almost really has to do with the amount of moisture in the atmosphere. And of course, the temperature's got to be freezing, but what we haven't really discussed before, and some people know, and maybe not everyone does, is the colder the atmosphere, while we have this term called relative humidity, it, it's a relation of how much moisture the air can hold, absolute humidity or absolute moisture content decreases as temperatures get colder and colder. So it's kind of important to get these big fluffy flakes, and the most dynamic flakes tend to happen it values much closer closer to freezing levels, okay, as opposed to it being really cold. So just something to keep in mind. Now the other property that I think is really important to keep in mind as well is the acoustic effects of snow and or the insulating effects of snow. So for instance, sound and sound waves with fresh snow are broken up. So maybe if you've ever been in a snowstorm where it's not too windy, you've noticed how quiet it can be or even after the snow and when it's still kind of light and fluffy how the surrounds can just they see it seems to dampen out everything and create a different environment so sounds one aspect of that the other is it's it's good for the earth in many ways it's an insulator so actually if you have snow on the ground and then it gets really cold things underneath that snow layer are actually protected yes snow is freezing but it keeps it from getting any colder so that harsh cold air may not penetrate into plants and other things in the earth. And, and then, quite frankly, a snow layer, as it melts, it's more uniform, right? It's, it's pretty consistent in, in its belt, and it does it over time. That kind of feeds the earth, if you will, as opposed to areas that you know, have to count on occasional rainstorms, that sort of thing. With a melt, it can be more gradual. It can really penetrate and, and soak the soil. And again, that's very important, certainly in the agricultural sector, but other sectors as well. So we have all these scientific components to why snow, you know, why a farmer might like snow or um, why somebody who doesn't like loud sounds. I, I lived in a place in upstate New York, Lake Effect Snows, and it was a nice setting. We had a nice house and everything, but we weren't too far away from an interstate area and while we weren't so close that we got the real heavy rumblings we were we were close enough that occasionally you'd hear trucks and their air brakes um, making sounds or you know just general road noise but when the snow would come all that sound would disappear and it was because it was broken up by the benefit of snow so there's a lot of reasons to like snow even if you don't like snow itself so even on a non-psychological level it can have impacts that are very real but I think what we really wanted to focus on today is kind of the psychological element and why do we like snow. And a lot of this, of course, has to do with snow days. Now, for those that aren't in regions that observe snow days, I guess, or aren't in areas where a snow day is at least an occasional occurrence, let me just kind of quantify that, that a snow day is generally when a snowstorm comes to an area and 
instead of having the kids rush out to the bus stop, you know, schools are called off for the day or longer. It can certainly be longer. But the idea, you know, pretty much is let's not put kids out in harm's way or when it's particularly cold or dangerous weather. It can be treacherous to get around. Certainly, this is a technique that's used in various areas across the U.S. Again, I lived in Syracuse, New York, where it was a little harder to get snow days, but they did happen, you know, depending on the timing of the snow or how much snow would come versus what you might have in the southeast. You know, we had in in Atlanta, um, since, since we last talked, we had one of those kind of scares where we may get, oh, no, some freezing temperatures and possibility of precipitation. We have this problem. And I've, I've determined this is not just a southeastern U.S. thing, but in different areas. And this gets into that whole anticipation. So we have these, like, snow day events, right? And we had one of these things. It was going to come, and there was a slight chance of a few hours of freezing rain or some light wintry precipitation. Now, other parts of the U.S. saw some significant um, and unfortunately deadly outcomes. Like I said, this, it, you know, let's be real in all this. I mean, winter weather can be very dangerous, right? But for the most times, people are like, okay, let's go to the, the, school, the stores. I mean, this is one of those things that happens here. And buy out, they buy out all the bread and milk. And I've never understood these two things particularly maybe because i'm not the biggest milk fan and I, I know i can live without bread for a few days but i don't i mean i could go and i could understand going and getting water maybe if you're running low but let's be real about the milk if you're going to lose power or not be able to get milk is it going to be the end of the world I, I guess i could understand a few situations where it's going to be but in this day and age where we've got so many different beverages available I, I don't understand necessarily the milk component and the same thing with bread i guess if if these are staples of your diet that's the thinking. But most often, these events really only stop us for a couple of days. So if you're not stocking up for a couple of days, ordinarily fine. But the people who seem to run and buy all this stuff are people that normally buy for a couple of weeks at a time anyway. So I'm not sure what the real benefit is. And anyways, it creates this anticipation. We've got to go do this. What's it going to be like? People start watching the weather forecast on the news. And so some people, like I said, when we as we shift to the cycle, psychological aspect of it here some people that anticipation of what could happen and how are we going to respond is it going to be you know the snowstorm of the century or whatever it is drive certain behaviors including chemical releases in our body so some people's appreciation of snow can really be at almost a chemical level in how we respond to potentially dangerous events especially if they're led up to in advance and that does tend to happen a lot here in the u.s and i'm sure it's not uncommon in europe and some other areas where maybe snow is um, not uncommon but certainly not a regular occurrence every week sort of thing so we've got this anticipation thing and that that tends to be in the lead up to it but some of those chemicals are very positive and and they drive what we consider uh enjoyable outcomes in in our body so snow gets attached to those chemical releases so there's one of those things the other thing i i found was interesting in in looking through some of this stuff is it's really out of our control so many events in our lives maybe not fully but quite often are you know decisions we make whereas here in this weather event and that's the other thing to keep in mind is most of the time snow 
it's not fleeting. It's not like a, a thunderstorm where it comes in for one hour and it goes away. Yes, there's a potential of flooding. And so if you have a major rain event and it's a flooding type situation, that can be like a, a snow situation where there'll be multiple days of potential influence or like a hurricane or tropical cyclone blowing through. But snow is, is unique enough in that sort of thing that it comes and usually it doesn't dissipate right away. Even if it's a light snow, there can be reminders of it for days to come that will be around you. So it's something that's out of our control, but it's something that's lasting long enough. But this was then led to another one of the things that I thought was an interesting statement that we all know we fear change. I don't, I don't care what people say. Most people don't like change. However, this is a type of change that we know is unlikely to last or life experience tells us that. And again, I am certain there are areas where if a, a serious blizzard came through and it lasted for a very long time, you may not have that feel or it brings on a, you know, it is the start of winter that lasts a very long time. But generally speaking, these, these big snow events or disruptive snow events are something that's going to come and go. So, yes, change, but change in a way that won't stick around forever and just might allow us to do some things that are different. Okay, so you combine this out of control, the change that is coming, but it's not going to last. And so we kind of put aside things just for a short period of time. And, you know, you can even contrast it this time of year. We've got Christmas. And if, if everybody who celebrates Christmas did it in a way that was consistent with the holiday, it would be very simple, right? In a lot of ways, no thankful I guess I don't have any advertisers who are trying to push things during Christmas time but the concept of the holiday is to be around people you care about and to be in a joyful setting and to share positive feelings and that sort of thing but we've created this chaos with gift giving and all these other things that go with it that it becomes a very stressful event and I guess snow days could be like that but if if a Christmas holiday like I'm used to when I was in Chile, it's it's kind of a one-day event. Yeah, people get together, and yes, there's some gift-giving, but it's not this big production, or it, it had become more so, but generally speaking, it's, it's a single holiday, and snow days are much more like that, except you don't know when they're going to come, right? So it's not like you can plan with a specific holiday and plan travel in advance. So you have to look to things that happen in very short periods of time. You go, okay, this thing's happened. What can I do? And, and so what most people tend to do is they tend to look to situations very immediate to them. So they look to their immediate family or their immediate friends that maybe live very close to them that are within a walking distance. Or like I said, you know, parents spending time with their kids because, you know, they got they had to deal with a situation where their kids aren't able to go to school. So there's a good chance they had to stay home. So everybody kind of takes this opportunity and says, you know. Let me take advantage of a situation that's out of my control. It's not going to last very long. It's not like I'm going to take a week off or anything. And enjoy it. And enjoy the people I'm around. Because we have those experiences, and generally, again, they're very positive when we're younger. And as a kid, every kid loves snow days, right? They get out of school. And an interesting thing, another study I read about is snow days actually don't hurt how kids perform in school. Just an interesting side note. But if you look at all these things, 
we, we walk away and we start to create these memories. So snow days are positive when we're kids. And so we think of them more positively when we're an adult. Yes, you're still inconvenienced. You're still dealing with this change of environment. But we're reminded of how joyful it was. We also become more mindful of the moment, right? So here we are. We're kind of forced to be in the now and what's going on around us. And again, some of these things trigger chemical releases. Some of it's just a positive mental uh, reaffirmation of something that we've dealt with before. And it just gives us a generally positive feeling. And even those who don't like snow, they can take advantage of cuddling up next to a fire with someone they care about, right? Or enjoying a nice cup of hot cocoa, which they may not do every day. So it can trigger for even those that where snow's not necessarily the enjoyable aspect of it, but the event itself can still have positive reinforcement scenarios. And then there's the just the other reinforcements that go on around a snow event, how beautiful it might make a landscape. You know, if you live in an urban area or an area that, I don't know, just isn't necessarily visually stunning to you, snow and the changes it can bring about can, you know, create... an incredibly different setting visually that can be very stunningly beautiful. I realize that's not always the case, or it can even be cleansing, right? If you live, again, in an urban area, it's almost like, you know, nature's car wash, right? And of course, there's the tactile elements of, of actual snow or snowballs or making a snowman. So you get this, you know, kind of cold and crisp and clean element but, you know, in contrast, of course, <laughs> you get the coming in out of the snow and a warm fire, let's say, or just just the heat when it hits your body when you've been out in the snow. So all these things really bring about a variety of reasons that we can all enjoy snow. So as we head into this holiday season, let me just say I, I hope that everybody that has an area in which they live that they can get so I saw that it snowed in the Sahara Desert this week for the first time in 40 years so snow can go a lot of places and I just hope if it comes your way that you have the opportunity to enjoy it and are reminded of some of these very things that drive why it's not just me actually that likes snow so much and of course I had to do our interesting tidbit related to snow and you've probably heard the saying those two snowflakes are alike. Well, actually, they can be. And in that same site that I referenced earlier, you can go there and see an interesting thing about not only have they grown identical snowflakes in the lab, but they've done it or shown it and found it in nature. So just like lightning can strike twice, two snowflakes can be alike. Just keep that in mind when you're enjoying all the snow things. Now, before I get in the wrap, I will say that this time of year, whether it's snow-related or not, I know for a lot of people, we're having joyous time, even if it can be a a little stressful. But there are a lot of people who suffer from depression this time of year, and it can be due to the holidays themselves. It can be due, there are seasonal disorders when, particularly this time of year in the Northern Hemisphere, but like I said, it can be even the holidays in the Southern Hemisphere have negative impacts on people. If you know somebody who suffers from these type of situations, Take the time to reach out to them. 
you might be amazed at how just hearing from you, and it doesn't even have to be a phone call. It can be a text or an email in this day and age. We, we've got so many easy and convenient ways to do it in this day and age. Let them know you care. Let them know you're thinking about them. And just be there for them if they want to talk or communicate in some way. All right. Let's wrap up. I'm going to spend a few more minutes than normal on RSVP today, just because we're in that time of year. So most of you know or have heard me sometimes whip it off real quick. Don't forget RSVP. But let's go back through the elements. Rate, share, validate, and pledge, right? So let's start with rating. If you listen to this on iTunes or any podcatcher where you're able to rate the podcast, please take a couple minutes, right? Write a review. Give the podcast some stars, hopefully a lot of stars. Even if you're not using iTunes for the po- for podcasts, going in there, if you're an Apple person and putting something in there, it's, it's real simple. Discoverability for not just me, but any of little podcasts that you listen to, take the time to do it for all of them. It, it, it takes you five minutes for multiple podcasts, if you're listening to multiple podcasts, and that helps them get discovered. Like so many things, most podcasters are not big media, and the only way new people find out about the podcast is seeing ratings or reviews, or as the next element, sharing. Take the time, tell somebody about it. You know, hey, I listen to this great podcast, or hey, friend, do you listen to podcast? Or sharing something. I post on Facebook or I post on Twitter. All those things go a long way again into the discoverability because you're introducing it to a group of people that's outside my realm of people. Quite often there's some overlap, of course, but new people find out about it. Validate. So validation is particularly important in a lot of ways. Yes, it can be nice to hear from people that like the podcast or even that they don't, you know, if they're constructive about it anyways. But it's also good to get fresh ideas and new thoughts, and just any sort of feedback you're willing to provide. Again, kind of like rating or sharing, it only takes a couple minutes. And this time of year, in in the season of giving, it's good to give that kind of information. And lastly, pledge. You've heard me mention Patreon. I, I try not to dwell on it. I'm not doing this to make a living, but I do have real cost for hosting the podcast and the audio files and all those things. So if you're willing... And you're getting something out of the podcast, considering going to patreon.com slash weather. And for as little as a dollar a month, right, a couple cups of coffee a year, you can help offset the, the real firm cost that the podcast has and make sure that we're able to continue to deliver quality product. Hopefully it is quality product or you're getting something out of it if you're still listening to it. And I will say in all these cases that if you have the option of supporting someone else who's making a living doing podcast prefer them over me right if you've only got time to review one podcast and there's one that's more important to you just take the time to at least rate them okay with all these things yes i enjoy getting the patreon support and the the ratings on itunes but start first and foremost and just do it do it for somebody or a podcast that you care about, or someone that you know that's trying to do podcasting and share creating all this content on their own time, just just take the time to support someone in all this, okay? Now you're asking me, but Mark, how do I 
give you feedback? How do I get in touch? Of course, the website's the way to find all this information about RSVP and what is it about the weather slash support or just you know the contact form that's there. Of course, you can get me by email as well. What is it about the weather at gmail.com? Whatever, any of these ways. You can send me a tweet on Twitter, Mark underscore Jelinek, or send me a picture on Instagram, whatever it might be. Variety of ways to get, to get hold of me. In any case, until next time, until next time, may you have enjoyable, interesting, and intertwined weather because we all know there's much more to weather than the weather itself. This is two white super production.